everybody. Welcome back to the Spa Strong Podcast. I'm Royal. I'm Melissa. And this is episode 12. Thank you guys for sticking with us this long. And we have a special guest with us today. Yes, our guest today is Sarah Nicole Payne. Sarah is a licensed esthetician based out of Denver, Colorado. She is the owner of Sarah Nicole Skincare, as well as the ultra-popular blog, You Glow Gal. So grab a pen and your notepad and get ready to listen to a very interesting and insightful conversation about a lot of great things. All right. Okay, we are here with Sarah. Hi, Sarah. How are you doing? Hi. Thanks for having me. Of course. You're so welcome. Thank you for being here with us. We really appreciate you taking your time to be on the podcast. Awesome. Uh, Yeah, no, this is a lot of fun. I'm (laughs) looking forward to this. Good. So we've been kind of in the works trying to get this scheduled for what, like two months, three months? Yeah, a little while. Yeah, yeah. With all the holidays and everything, it was kind of crazy trying to get it on the books. I know. So I'm glad we are finally able to sit down and get this episode recorded. I'm really excited to hear your story. Um, you kind of told me a little bit about it over email, but I am looking forward to hearing all the details. I am too, because I know nothing. So I... <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. No, so I, I really kind of fell into aesthetics. Um, I had been waiting tables for like ever. I was like 24 and it was actually a suggestion from like my best friend's mom. She told me that like I would be really good at it. And I just kind of started researching different schools um, and actually ended up finding a really awesome school in the little town I lived in in South Carolina um, and really lucked out with the educator there. Um, And I think I, after graduating, I went and worked at an Ulta for like six months and had an opportunity uh, to move to Dallas and just went and did it on a whim without researching anything. Um, And so once I got my license there, I literally went door to door with my resume. I created a spreadsheet of like all the spas within a certain radius of where I wanted to work and went door to door with my resume and just things just kind of fell into place. Like I I met a girl at one spa that knew the owner of another spa and told me they were always hiring estheticians and um, ended up getting hired as like a front desk person to help with booking and scheduling and did that part time while still waiting tables. And so I was working two jobs while I waited um, for an opening in the treatment room um, and lucked out when uh, another esthetician decided to move back home to Oklahoma and I basically took over her spot. So it was very synchronous almost and how everything kind of like fell into place. Yeah. Um, which was really cool. Awesome. Um, so when, when I graduated from aesthetic school, I went to school, uh, like I said, I was from Texas and I went to school out of state so that I could get more hours in my training. And then when I was going to graduate, I knew I wanted to move back to Texas. So I did a very similar thing. I looked up all the spas that I was interested in and made my list. And then as soon as I got back to Texas, I just basically went door to door until I found my spot. And fortunately, the one that I ended up working at was the one that I really, really wanted. And Uh I went in and I applied for a receptionist position. And um, during the interview, they were like, "Um, so we really like you, but 
we don't think you would be a great receptionist, but we actually, we actually haven't posted this yet, but we need a treatment provider. And so it worked out perfectly. I applied for the receptionist and they're like, you would be a terrible receptionist, but you're going to be a great treatment provider. So I got that job instead. That's hysterical. That's really lucky too, because it doesn't usually work out that way. It's like, I mean, I, even when I was in school, I remember that everyone telling us like, you're probably going to have to like work your way up and like Mm -hmm. do something you don't want to do first, like, you know, answering phones and scheduling people. So that's really cool. Yeah. That's exactly what they told us too. Like, don't be afraid of applying for a receptionist position. That's the way that most people get their foot in the door. And so when I went in for my interview, they were like, well, if you want to be a treatment provider, why did you apply for this? And I told them that and they were like, Oh no, no, they have a different skill set. Receptionists have one skill set and treatment providers have a different skill set. And you don't have the receptionist skill set. <laughs> Wait, I have a question. So it's really like that in some places. Like you have to like start from the bottom mm-hmm. and then hopefully, yeah. hopefully they see your work kind of and then they give you a slot as a treatment provider. Yeah. Yeah. What? Even, and that's kind of common for cosmetologists too. Like one of my girlfriends, the hairstylist did the same thing. Like she worked as a receptionist before she was able to start booth renting. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times when you are working there, like as the receptionist, then you can participate in in salon or in spa trainings and kind of learn a little bit more. Because if you're just out of school, you haven't had a lot of hands-on experience yet. And so sometimes it's a good idea to have exposure to the environment and the flow of the spa and everything exactly before you start working with the clients. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I had no idea. Wow. Mm-hmm. So Sarah, how long were you a receptionist before that treatment provider spot opened up? You know, it was only like six months. I was expecting nice. it to be like a year, um, which was really nice because I, I don't really enjoy the receptionist gig. Like it's not like the most fun. Like I like being in the treatment room. Um, and I'm a bit of like an introvert. So it's kind of nice. Like you, it, it's interesting because when you're in a spa, like it is a team environment, but people tend to function as individuals. And because you have your own space, you have your own treatment room in the spa where you get to go and be one-on-one with people. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it was, it wasn't a long wait at all. Um, which I think I was very fortunate for, cause I know that I don't think six months is typically the norm. No, I don't think so. What, um, what services were y'all offering at that spa? Um, so it was an Aveda concept spa. So everything was very hands-on. And when I first started, uh, we didn't use any machines whatsoever, okay. uh, other than like a steamer. Eventually like maybe four years after I was working there, they added in like uh, microcurrent treatments with new face and started bringing on like Clarisonics and simple stuff. Mm-hmm. But it was very much like a beta, um, like very fluffy, relaxing facials that start from like head to toe and they had a foot soak. Um, and then in my last couple of years before I left, um, they brought on like additional product lines, um, like skin suitables and, and uh, hydropeptide. So it gave us like, so much more to do because Veda is such a small box <laughs> to work with it. Right. Um, um, did you go to an Aveda school? No, not okay. at all. I was just going to say that <clears throat> I'm surprised that at an Aveda concept spa that y'all brought on other product lines, because my understanding was that Aveda was just strictly Aveda products, Aveda way. That's it. 
Yeah, it it was that way for a long time. And I don't know the specifics of it, but um, the spa that I worked for, they have expanded so much in the Mm -hmm. time between even like since I started working there and I left like two years ago. And so they've expanded and opened up tons of uh, new locations. And as they opened up new locations, it was really hard for them to, I think, stay within that box because they were picking up locations you know, they had to take into consideration the location of the new spas and where other Aveda spas were. So I think that ended up shifting how their relationship with, with Aveda was set. And so mm. it started changing to where they could offer other lines. Um, I didn't, I wasn't really involved in like the nitty gritty details of that, but I, I know that that had, that opened the doors basically to being able to do more than just Aveda. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. And I, I would wonder also if, especially being in the Dallas area, the Dallas esthetician is, um, or not esthetician, but like the Dallas aesthetic client is very savvy. They're very Mm -hmm. um, results oriented. And so I can imagine that there may have also been clients asking for more than what like a regular Aveda spa would offer. Like you were saying, y'all didn't have any machines originally. Um, and so do you think that maybe that played a role in it as well? That the clients Maybe. Were and Dallas is very competitive. There are spas everywhere. And yes. so you have to kind of shift and realize, you know, like Aveda has its place, but, you know, the Dallas market's very different. And, you know, there are some Aveda products that I really like. But to be honest, like when we brought on SkinCeuticals and Hydropeptide, within three months, like I had seen a total change in my client's skin. Like their skin looked good before, but it just took it to like a whole new level when we were able to use um, more potent products. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I love to hear that. I I love SkinCeuticals. I think that it's such a great product line. Um, and so I love to hear that you saw good results when you were, you know, introducing your clients to those as well. What was the other line? I haven't heard of it before. Um, the other one's hydropeptide and like all their products are very, like their stick is peptides and they Uh use it in everything. Um, and it was, it's a really cool line. Like I, there are only like a handful of lines that I think are really worth what they're being sold for because everyone marks up their stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, and hydropeptide, I feel like when their product is like $150, like it's worth $150. Like it changes your skin. Wow. That's awesome. I need to look into that. I need need so. (laughs) I know you're aging. You're looking like really old lately. Well, from black don't crack. Let's start start there. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's awful, Sarah, because he's five years younger than I am. And um, so I'm always like, I can't go outside without my sun hat because you're black, so you're never going to age. And I'm white and I (laughs) age like moldy cheese. (laughs) So so I'm going to look 30 years older than you in the next like five years. But... Anyway, so I'm always on the prowl for new products to try. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, black skin ages really well. Yes. Thank you. You're blessed. (laughs) Very blessed. Okay, so how long in total were you at this spot? Um, I was there for about six years. Okay. So it was a while. Okay, awesome. And then was that the... um, like the only spa you worked in or did you leave because you went to a different, uh, like a different spa or 
how did you end up leaving there? Um, so I was there while I was there, I was there for six years. And then during that time I launched a blog and within my last year and a half to two years there, I had started developing my own skincare line as well. And at that point, uh, my body was really starting to hurt. Um, because hiatus is a very, uh, high volume spa. Mm -hmm. And since it was an Aveda concept, it's also very hands-on. Mm -hmm. And so I, for several years was seeing, you know, six clients a day, four or five days a week. And that, that's a lot. Yes. And by the end of it, I had to dial it back to four to five facials about four times a week or four days a week. Oh, um, wow. and so that was, it all kind of coincided with us moving from Dallas to Denver and it all kind of, and that was the main reason. Like, I don't know if I really would have left had I stayed in Dallas. I don't know if I would have left the spa when I did. Um, mm -hmm. I might've gone down to part-time, um, just because I, you know, you get really attached to your clients. They become your best friends and, um, like I miss them a ton, but ultimately it was relocating to Denver and, deciding to focus on building my own business instead of, um, working in the treatment room. Mm -hmm. But it's in the last, really in the last six weeks, I've been really missing the treatment room and wanting to go back. So I think this year I'm going to start trying to evaluate how I can do that while still building an e-commerce business at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let me ask you, I have many questions, but, um, <laughs> but first, so you said that you started developing your blog, which is You Glow Gal, right? Yeah. And um, and doing your own skincare line while you were still at this spa. So what was your reason for venturing out at that point? Had Were you kind of looking forward and seeing, okay, I'm starting to have pain and so maybe I can't do this forever? Or was it just oh, I just want multiple streams of income. And so I can do that as well. And then thank goodness I have it because now I'm starting to have pain. Like how did that process kind of work? Um, well, one of the things was that I wanted something sustainable and that provided stability because one of my biggest fears uh, was getting an injury or developing arthritis or something where I wouldn't be able to work. Mm -hmm. um, I had been doing this outdoor fitness thing at one point while I was working at hiatus and, um, I sprained my elbow and I wasn't able to work for like a month. And that was like very eye opening. I was like, Holy crap. Like if something major happens, like I'm out, like yeah. I can't make money because we were all commission based. Yes. Um, oh and so that was a big driver, um, was just trying to create something that was more stable and sustainable. Um, and I had played around with the idea of opening up my own studio in Dallas. Um, but it just didn't really feel like the right time to do it. Mm -hmm. And so we started and along with that, um, my boyfriend, who's also my business partner had suggested, um, starting a skincare line and we started researching it and like, he really planted the seed. It's really all these big, like career changes for me always come from like being planted as a seed from someone else. Um, That's awesome. which is really interesting now that I realize that, but, but yeah, <laughs> That's cool. And I think that, I mean, I look back on my career as well. And so many of the big changes that I made were because of other people giving me the idea also. Uh, so I think that's cool how the universe kind of gives you the people who will offer you the right influence at the right moments. 
so you totally. can keep moving forward. Um, I absolutely relate with what you were saying of, of the realization that if you get hurt, that you can't work. Um, I, I had my spa, I had a studio spa in Salt Lake City, and I was in a car accident. And just literally within a matter of seconds, my business was gone. Yeah, because I couldn't work for months and months and months. And I had to, you know, refer my clients to other people and sign my lease over to somebody else. And then I was up a creek without a paddle. um, Because I didn't have any other form of income. I literally just had my clients that I was actively doing treatments on. And so I love that you didn't have to go through like such a drastic experiences I did where you had no other plans. Yeah. Um, that's awesome that you and your boyfriend slash business partner were able to kind of think ahead and realize, okay, this isn't necessarily sustainable forever. I need to have other ways of making money. But at the same time, I'm always so impressed when you meet an esthetician that's like 50s plus, 60s plus, who's still doing it. And you're like, how on earth have you been doing this so long? I know. Like, and your body's not hurting you. And it's almost always, they're not Americans. They're always European women. Almost always European women that I meet that are like that. Interesting. I'll have to think back on that and see, because I've met, I mean, several women that are in their like 50s and 60s, like you were saying, who just keep at it and keep going and their bodies are totally fine. And I mean, obviously all of our bodies are made differently and it probably also has to do a lot with the type of treatments that you're doing? And then also, are you taking responsibility to have recovery or like time to stretch or time to, you know, soak in Epsom salts or whatever it is that you need, go to physical therapy? Um, Because that definitely plays a big role in maintaining your body so that you can keep doing these things for a long time. Were you going to say something? It's true. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, that's why we started Spostro to begin with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, both, no, we and I think that's injured. really good. We were both injured completely. Like, I'm injured from being a police officer right now for a year and a half. And mm-hmm. um, she was injured, and we both looked at each other like, yo, we got to <laughs> figure out something. Yeah. Like, <laughs> we're in trouble. Yeah, because it was just totally that realization of we have jobs where we're trading time for money. And, Uh um, I mean, both jobs within their own right are very physically demanding. Like obviously being a police officer, that's more obvious physical demand than being an esthetician. Your your physical demand is underrated. Exactly. Yeah. That people don't, my boyfriend literally used to laugh at me when I would come home exhausted. (laughs) He couldn't believe it. He's also Russian. So he's like a whole other (laughs) He's like, um, no, you you work forever and then you drink vodka and keep working. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but no it's so true like people don't understand because they think oh you're just in this relaxing spa and you're just rubbing people's faces all day or just putting lash extensions on them or filing their nails like why is that hard well it's hard because you're in the same position all day every day making the exact same repetitive motions over and over hunched over or standing kind of hunch or, you know, whatever it is. And it is hard on you. It is. And even from like a, an energetic perspective, because you're in close quarters with people and you, and when you start getting close to people and getting to know them, like 
you take on whatever they're feeling. And I didn't experience that early on in my career. And then I had like, it all started unleashing in my last couple of years in the treatment room where I just really, with my clients that I was close with, like started experiencing like all their emotions, everything that they were going through. And so that added to like an, add an extra layer of like self-care that was needed. Yes. And that's something that is so real. Um, I think that as women, especially we're kind of wired to be a little more nurturing um, to some mm-hmm. extent. And so for some of us, it's really easy to just like leave it at work and not take it home with us and not focus so much on it. But then for others of us, especially as you I see these people over and over again over the course of months or years, then you really do start caring about them and caring about what's going on in their lives. And then for whatever reason, our clients come in and they want to tell us everything, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And it's hard not to take that on. It is. It really is. I, and, you know, I don't know if you see this in Facebook groups, like some of the aesthetics Facebook groups sometimes where like people will say, oh, no, I don't have conversations with my clients. I don't get close to my clients. I'm like, oh, you're really missing out. <laughs> I know. Like, <laughs> I don't understand that. <laughs> like I did uh, one of the big treatments that I offered was lash extensions. And I would go to lash trainings and the instructors, a lot of times instructors would be like, now you need to encourage your clients to bring in headphones so that they can just listen to a book on tape or take a nap or something so that their faces don't move and you're not distracted and you don't have to listen to them talk. And um, at that point I had been lashing for a long time and I, I learned before that became common to recommend that. And so I was like, there is no way that my clients would ever, first of all, would ever go for this, but also that I would want them to be quiet all the time because I love them. Like I loved having those conversations and talking to them and hearing about what was going on. And sometimes it was difficult because I mean, I had client, a few clients who had really negative romantic relationships or whatever it was that was going on in their lives. But for the most part, that was where I got so much of my joy of being a treatment provider was engaging with my clients. I completely agree. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that's half the, that's where all the fun is really. It's great seeing results and everything, but I like connecting with people and getting to know them. Yeah, I'm absolutely with you. That was a huge huge part of it for me. But that being said, it is also taxing because not only are you taking on their emotions, but then mentally you have to think about carrying on a conversation and questions to ask and, you know, all of those things and that's exhausting. Yeah, it is. And I think too, after time, like you start to get your own rhythm, like you kind of like, there are certain points where you talk and then you put them to sleep (laughs) and Mm -hmm. then like towards the end, they start waking up again and you carry on the conversation. So you kind of get like a rhythm and flow, especially with like people that, um, see you for a long period of time. Like you get to know them and you know, like certain people that you need to kind of recharge for and who you can just kind of chill and you don't have to like keep your guard up with. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. And it's nice. I mean, in doing more relaxing treatments like a facial, um, but because people are coming in not just to chat with their treatment provider, but also to have that relaxation and have that moment of, you know, that R&R. And so they kind of do, the goal is kind of to eventually drift off to sleep, which (laughs) can be really nice. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So tell me a little bit more about, you talked about how your body just hurt. Was it in your hands? Was it your back? Like, where were you experiencing that pain? Um, it was mostly in my hands, my mm-hmm. arms and my hands. Um, 
And even when, you know, practicing good body mechanics and taking care of myself, like it was pretty, um, consistent, Mm -hmm. but what's interesting is like once I had left the spa, it really didn't take all that long for my hands to stop hurting. And for them, like, it was almost like they just needed a break. Like they didn't really, like they just, they needed an extended break that I couldn't really get while I was working for someone else. Yeah. Um, were you, I mean, while you were there and dealing with the pain, what kind of things were you doing to try to mitigate that? I mean, were you like, I don't know, Um, doing physical therapy? I would do like self massage. If they were bothering me, like at work, if they seemed like inflamed, um, I would ice them. Cause mm-hmm. the great thing about being in a spa is like, you have tons of stuff. So we had like, you know, the cold stones that were in the freezer that massage therapists used, or that we would sometimes even use in facials that I could like go grab and like keep on my hand. Mm-hmm. Um, so there were a lot of tools that I could use. And then we had a whole team of massage therapists. So if something was really bad, like you would, you know, ask someone be like, Hey, can you go like rub on my arm and my hand for like a little bit in the treatment room, like during your break? And you know, they would take care of you. Mm-hmm. So, cause the thing is like, it's not always, it's actually really hard to keep up like a maintenance plan, like, and it's expensive, mm-hmm. you know, to like go get massages or acupuncture or whatever. And after a period of time, like I got really exhausted from having to keep up with trades when I would trade services. Yeah. Um, And it just didn't end up being really relaxing. I would rather pay for it. Yeah. So um, let me ask you, were you full time at the spa at this point? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was, I was full time there almost from the beginning. Okay. So did you have like health insurance or did you have workers comp benefits that you could have utilized or that you did utilize? Um, so when the Obamacare thing started up, the spa started offering health insurance. Um, but it was actually really hard to qualify for it because most therapists, like what, what our spa considered full time for an esthetician is not the like industry standard for full time. Like for mm-hmm. us, full time was 30 hours a week, whereas okay. it's typically 40 hours in other industries. Right. Um, and so when I was in a management position there, I qualified, but I think I ended up, I was making enough that I could go and pick up my own health insurance policy. And so for a while I was taking advantage of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've really only had my entire life. I've only had insurance that I've paid. Well, I take that back when you're a kid, you're covered by your parents, but right. as an adult, like, I think I actually had my own insurance for maybe like two, three years max, mm-hmm. just kind of terrifying, but yeah. <laughs> no, I was in that yeah. same boat. Absolutely. And then this guy's Mr. Safety kid. And he's like, you have to have health insurance you or we can't it. be together. I didn't say all that. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> I didn't say all that. but no I mean I hear you it's it's definitely an added expense and especially if you aren't normally sick a lot and if you're not accident prone I can see how it's I mean I've been there where you're like oh do I really need it maybe not I've got all my student loans I've got to pay off so yeah yeah, it's very it's a hard choice to make and I kind of lucked out in that um I have found like really good doctors that would offer like cash pay discounts in Dallas. And so I was able to get the things that were important to me anyway, taken care of. Cause like I'm being an esthetician, I'm like kind of neurotic about um, getting skin cancer checks mm-hmm. on regular, like 
yearly. Yeah. And so being able to do that at a cash discount and have things biopsied for like a cheap, like really affordable fee. Like I ended up being able to work things where I didn't really feel nervous about not having health insurance. That's awesome. That's great that you're able to find a dermatologist to, you know, work with you on that. That's fantastic. Yeah. Because you were technically, I mean, full-time, but technically 30 hours, did that mean that like workers comp wasn't an option for you? And did you ever talk to your manager? I mean, you said that you had a management position eventually, but um, did you ever talk to management about getting help for the pain that you were experiencing? I never even, that never even crossed my mind that workers comp could be an option for that, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, that's, I think, <laughs> I think that's something that isn't, yeah, spoken about very much. But if you're a W-2, like uh, if you're receiving a W-2 from your employer, you get workers comp. then they're paying into workers' comp on your behalf. And yeah. so, yeah, that's something that should have been I made available. I see where in like the spa industry where employers probably don't want to mention too much about that mm-hmm. because everyone's always hurting. Right. And no, I think so estheticians and massage therapists typically think of it as like, if you fall or something, then you're, you know, covered by workers comp. Not if like, you're just hurting from consistent repetitive movement doing your actual job. Right. But that being said, hurting from consistent repetitive movement, like that's still something that you need help with. But on the, on the flip side, if you go and get help, like a lot of doctors will tell you, you know, would probably tell you that you need to rest it. Well, then if you're resting it, then you're not working. And you're mm-hmm. not making income and then your spa is struggling. And so, yeah, it's, it's so hard in this industry to speak out and say, hey, I need to put my health first. I need to take care of myself because there are so many repercussions that go along with that. Yeah. Now, I will say, like, I, if I felt like I was going to have, like, a panic attack and I was just having, like, a really, like, emotionally bad day, Um, like I would work as many clients as I could. And then my manager was really good about letting me like reschedule my clients and like go home. Um, which I'm very thankful for because that's something that's really important to me. Um, because I'm just generally a sensitive person that needs a lot of like downtime. Um, and so, and that, that's equally important to me as like being able to like take care of like my, like physical pain too. Good. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy to hear that that was something that you took seriously and that you made time for, whether it's your physical or mental health, because that's something that's easily pushed aside. Like we might tell ourselves, oh, well, other estheticians aren't having this problem or, you know, my manager will think I'm just being a baby. So I'm not going to ask for help or I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to mention it and just keep having not only pain, but also possibly build up a lot of resentment and overwhelm in your life as well, because you either just don't deal with it or you don't know how to deal with it. Yeah. And I think uh, in a spa industry, like it's really, we talk about wellness, like we're promoting wellness, you know, we're promoting well-being and taking care of ourselves in every aspect. And so I think it's really important when you're in that kind of environment that like you practice what you reach and you make sure that your employees can take care of themselves when they need to. And I'm, I'm really grateful that I was in an environment where that was understood and, and really taken seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, cause that's rare. Like my boyfriend used to think like, cause he worked at, um, AT&T at the time. He's like, if I did that, I would be fired. I would be gone. <laughs> mm, yeah. So it's just very different. 
No, it is different, but I mean, I am happy to hear that you had a boss that recognizes like how taxing it is to do what we do. I, I, when I was working my first job, um, at my dream spot in Texas, like I was mentioning earlier, uh, there was a particular treatment that we had to do a laser treatment that was so physically taxing on my hands as well. And I remember, I wonder if you can relate to this, my, um, like two middle fingers, my ring finger and my middle finger, they would clamp, like clamp down closed and I would have to manually open my hands. Like I couldn't. Oh, that's terrible. It was, that's it was awful. And I was in so much pain. My hands were in so much pain all the time, but I was the best one in the spot at this particular treatment. And so people were requesting me nonstop and I was getting it like back to back, back to back. And my, I didn't want to complain. I didn't want to say anything because I wanted to be a team player and I wanted to make sure that I mm-hmm. you know, pulled my weight. But my supervisor was like, there is no possible way that you are not having pain from this. So I finally told her what was going on and she 100% had my back. She went to the manager and to the front desk and had a little meeting with them. And she was like, look, Melissa cannot carry all this weight on her shoulders. So I don't care if everybody requests her, you need to spread this treatment out. And my manager was super, super supportive of it. And I mean, thank goodness, because I was like, I don't understand what's happening, but I know my body is not supposed to be doing this. (laughs) (laughs) And like you said, it was literally, um, I mean, not having to do the treatment as much helped, but it didn't completely improve it. But when I left that job, it was probably within like two to three weeks that my pain was like completely resolved. Isn't it kind of crazy how quickly the body like heals itself? Yes. It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. But then I'm like, okay, well I had no, I mean, I like had to stop completely cold Turkey for it to 100% go away. And I've never had that problem again, even when I was doing lashes or any other treatment, I never had that same kind of problem, but I, I know it wouldn't have gotten better if I hadn't completely stopped. Yeah. Yeah. When we were doing, um, the new face treatments and we first introduced those and like everyone wanted to do it, my hands would start cramping up with that because it was just in that same position nonstop. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, as long as it's spaced out, it's like, you're good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. I want to ask you about your blog and your skincare line. Um, first of all, with your skincare line, did you, did you start that, uh, because you felt like there was a need with the clients that you were treating? Um, like there wasn't something that they, you were able to offer them, uh, with this, the retail products you were selling at the spa or were you kind of like not even worried about that? You just wanted to create your own source of income and advertise that to people outside of your physical clients. Um, you know, I really wanted to kind of create my own thing, but one of the things that was very eye-opening being in the spa and seeing so many different people is that um, you know, we talk about like when you're in school, they tell you about the skin barrier. Um, and then after that, like the importance of the skin barrier was really glossed over mm-hmm. like throughout my career. Like no one really honed in on how important it was. And even with the product lines that we had at the spa, like there was nothing really specific for the skin barrier to help it, uh, to nurture it and whether you need to restore it, support it or nurture it, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And then like SkinCeuticals ended up coming out with a face cream that was like $150. And there's like absolutely no reason that face cream should be $150. It's awesome. I love it, but Mm -hmm. it's not worth its price point. Um, And so that kind of became like my thing that I wanted to correct um, was create like a very small group of products that are focused on promoting skin barrier health. Um, but also addressing like the emotional side that largely women deal with, um, when it comes to their skin and not necessarily acne, like everyone's reality with their skin is different. Mm -hmm. And like some people let their pores really get to them. Some people have like one pimple that really drives them nuts. Some people have like really terrible acne. And, um, so it was kind of like a twofold thing is that like I wanted to help with the skin barrier, but I also wanted to help people in a very tangible way and on a, an emotional level that I was doing in the treatment room, but on a digital scale. Um, and so that's really where Sarah Nicole skincare is like philosophy and everything kind of started to evolve. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause being in the treatment room, like you realize like, a lot of people have skin barriers that are like fried. Like most people are doing too much to their skin. And even as estheticians, like we're always playing with things and testing new things. And like, there are plenty of times that I did too much on my skin just to see what would happen. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the difference between us and like, you know, normal civilians that are just buying uh, skincare as consumers is that they don't realize when they're doing too much. Yeah. So so yeah, yeah, that's what I'm trying to solve. Um, Okay. So I, I find it really interesting that the skin barrier is what you focused in on Um, because it's true. Like when you said that it got kind of glossed over, as I'm thinking about it, I realized that in my education, that that was definitely something that it's like, okay, you could experience strands epidermal water loss and then there you go. Uh That's it. That's literally all that people talk about. But in, even in my own skin, which I try to take really good care of, um, I have areas that I'm like, oh my gosh, I always have post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation here because my barrier isn't good. My barrier isn't good. And I think about my barrier all the time. And I'm like, what products do I really have that are specific just for repairing or nurturing my barrier? I don't know if I really have any that that's how they're advertised. Yeah. And, you know, when I've I've talked to like so many estheticians, because I wanted to make sure it wasn't just in my head and Mm -hmm. it wasn't something I was making up, but like the girls I worked with, because we had a big team, there were like 12 estheticians I worked with. The girls I worked with agreed. Um, Tons of estheticians I have talked to over the years agree. Like no one really talks about the skin barrier once you get out of school. And when so much of our education is coming from brand reps, like they just want you to use their products and they don't care. They don't, most of them don't even know really what skin barrier is Mm -hmm. because so many of those brand reps aren't really estheticians right they're just you know promoting products to meet their quota yeah they're salespeople uh yeah exactly um and so and and even with with the my experience in the spa like I noticed that particularly with clients that would jump around and weren't loyal to one specific esthetician you were mentioning clients that were kind of jumping around they weren't getting a specialized, um, focused care. They weren't on a specific treatment regimen, maybe that they're like taking or using every single day. And so maybe they're not really giving their skin. Is that that kind of like, and so, so for example, like where we worked, like we were supposed to put notes in 
uh, our clients' profiles each time we saw them, Mm -hmm. but a lot of people didn't do that. And so if you had someone that was like hopping around and like going to different estheticians, like you never really knew what they were doing monthly. Mm -hmm. And so you would start to notice that, for example, like these people in this, in this particular group would like have issues with their skin barrier because maybe they were getting aggressive peels every month when we don't really need aggressive peels every month. Mm-hmm. Cause that's, what's always promoted. Like every sales rep, every education you go to, like they're always like more laser, more chemical peels, more exfoliation when really like for most people, less is more when it comes to that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and like the med spa industry makes me really nervous. And I don't, I don't, I haven't found a way to like, I've wanted to write about it on you glow gal, but mm-hmm. I don't know how to do it in a way that's not going to piss a bunch of people off. Yeah. Ooh, so. now I want to write something for it. <laughs> <laughs> because, <Don't> uh, <laughs> because, um, so I went to a medical based school and, uh, it was all very medical focused. And so I came out of school like, Oh, laser treatments and chemical pills. Those are the only things that anybody ever needs. And um, then I started doing more education as I left and then actually started working on people's skin and not just my fellow estheticians. And um, I started realizing, okay, wait a second, less is more. Like when you treat too aggressive, you're actually causing more problems. You're causing more inflammation. You're causing the skin to not be able to heal itself, to disrupt the barrier and all of that. And so I really started thinking about, okay, I know that my clients come in and they're like, oh, I heard about this Jesner peel. I heard about, you know, a 15% TCA peel that my friend got, you know, whatever. And it it sometimes was really hard to explain to my clients, like, yes, I'd love to be able to do that on you, but there's a process and it's going to take time. And so we need to start with this itty bitty, you know, five berry chemical peel and then work our way up if your skin responds well, and if you follow through with your pre and post care instructions, and if you stay on top of your skincare regimen, um, because our clients, they'll get online and they'll read like some beauty blogger, or they'll see some medical spa advertising something. And I'm not jumping on medical spots at all. Like I said, I, that's where my education was. And I love the medical spa industry. I think there's a lot of wonderful things that can be offered there. But you have to have boundaries around your treatments. You can't just Mm -hmm. slap whatever exciting new technology comes around on every single face that walks through your door. Like that is not being responsible at all. Um, Yeah. And I've also um, um, read, I think it was, I think it was a discussion in a group of estheticians and there was a girl that worked, I think she worked at a um, plastic plastic surgeon's office and they were seeing that people that had been doing, doing laser treatments, like chronic use of these laser treatments, it actually wasn't producing the right kind of collagen. It was creating like this ropey kind of collagen. And these women were coming to the plastic surgeon for facelifts to correct this damage that they were experiencing. And the plastic surgeons were recognizing that like, oh, these, these laser treatments aren't actually doing what they were hoping they were going to do. Or maybe they were creating, doing it too often and creating way too much heat in the skin. Oh um, my god! Cause I've also heard that like, you're essentially hoping that the right kind of collagen is produced. So like, I'm very, like, I have a very thin sensitive skin. So like, I am very apprehensive of lasers now because of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I kind of like the idea of like microneedling, for example, better because it doesn't create heat in the same way. Yeah. Um, would you be able to maybe locate that uh, discussion that you read? Is there a way for you to find that? 
I'll see if I can. Okay. I have to do some thinking. Yeah, see if you can, because I would be very interested in reading that. I mean, I, I will admit that because I'm not in the treatment room, um, I haven't been doing a ton of research on treatments themselves lately, but I've never even heard of the potential of the wrong kind of collagen. So I'm very, very interested. Oh, I in- know. I know. I've been meaning to like dig in and like go find studies and stuff. I just haven't had the time. It's like on my wish list of things to like nerd out over. Yeah. Um, and another really cool thing that I found uh, was this, I think it, it was a plastic surgeon and a dermatologist out of Australia. And they were having clients complain that like their filler was disappearing. And the plastic surgeon uh, that this guy partnered with has an MRI machine. So they were scanning people's faces and were finding that the filler was traveling and moving around their face. Uh It wasn't actually like disappearing. So it was just moving. Um, And they were saying that the reason why people start to look puffy and kind of weird after doing too many injections is because they're not actually, it's not disintegrating. It's just moving. Mm. And so you're just building on top of it um, over and over again. Oh, and yes. I was just like, whoa. Yeah. Like everyone makes for this. <laughs> um, you said that there was plastic surgeons from, did you say Australia? Yeah. Yeah. They have a YouTube channel where they share all kinds of information. I wonder how different their um, regulations are with the fillers that we're allowed to use in the United States. Do you ever watch the show on Netflix, Botched Up Bodies? No, no, no. I can't watch that. I know. (laughs) Royal won't watch it with me either. I have to watch it by myself, but I need to just have like nightmares for a few nights for whatever reason. But um, (laughs) But one thing that they talk about, the, the that show is on Netflix and it's uh, focused in the UK. And they talk about how they don't have really any regulation on the type of fillers that they yeah. use. And so people are getting like depart or um, what, like Home Depot silicone and putting it into people's bodies, you know, and they w- would always compare like, oh, in the United States, there are only like four fillers that are FDA approved or there's just this very, very small number as opposed to in the UK where there are like hundreds of different fillers that you could use. So I would be very curious to see um, if the type of fillers that these doctors in Australia are referencing are the kind that we use here in the US. They are, I don't remember the specific names, but like I I recognize them when they mention them in the video and they are the ones we use here. Um, and he actually made a statement. He was like, I don't think we understand like fillers to the degree we think we do. Um, Mm -hmm. and I think a lot of that has to do with, cause if you think about how like it is in like the spa world, like our education is basically based on like what for a lot of people, the education is based on like what you're learning from your sales rep Mm -hmm. and on that specific product line. Mm -hmm. And so I think that also translates in the med spa world with like fillers and stuff like you're learning and being educated by people that are representatives for these brands. Right. Um, and so you, you have, you can't trust everything you're told. Like you have to go do your due diligence and, and research as well. Cause you know, yeah you never know if someone knows what they're really talking about well it's very um um, it's just like the pharmaceutical companies that are pushing you know drugs to regular mds uh where mm -hmm. they come in and they you know bring all the cool merch or maybe take them to a fancy dinner and they're like oh these are all the reasons why you want to use this drug p.s when you put your patients on this drug you're going to need this drug to help with the side effects (laughs) 
you know? Yeah. And, um, but it's, it's a lot of sales, which I'm not, again, I'm not knocking like Botox and fillers. If that's something that you want to do, that's great. But I think it is, I think it's, you're bringing up an excellent point that just because it's something that many, many people are doing, it doesn't necessarily mean that it has been well researched or researched as much as it needs to be at this point. Um, yeah, I totally think people should do like what makes them happy. Like if going and getting Botox is going to make you feel good and that you're doing it for the right reasons, then by all means do it. But like, mm-hmm. I I think caution needs to be practiced because people are going and like, especially in Dallas, like I know that like a lot of people I know go and do these things without thinking anything of it, mm-hmm. you know, like are being worried about what might happen. Um, cause everything is considered safe. Like you, they tell you you get some bruising, but that's kind of to the extent of it. Right. So when I, uh, when I was dating Royal, um, I mentioned just in passing, you know, one night he's like, Oh, what are you doing? I was like, Oh, just coming back from my Botox appointment. And he freaked out. I was like, what? Like, this, <laughs> like I was like, Oh my God, this is what I've been, t- I've been told about all these white girls. Well, I mean, <laughs> they're, they're out here getting Botox stuff. <laughs> Looking, looking ridiculous. Oh my gosh. Oh my God. So he, he totally was like, I'm not going to tell you how to live your life, but I want you to know that I am not okay with you getting Botox. And at first it really pissed me off. I'm like, um, I'm a strong, independent woman. You can't tell me what to do with my time or my money or my body. And, um, then I, uh, I started thinking about it more and I was like, I mean, I, at the time, I think I was 26, 27. And I was like, why am I doing this? And I, and really one of the reasons why was that I started thinking about maybe I really don't want to do this anymore was because I was like, this really is kind of a new treatment. Like just in the past, I mean, I don't know, like what, 10 years or maybe a little bit more at this longer at this point, but it's still relatively new. And I was like, what happens to that Botox while it's in my face or what happens to you know, all that. And so I really did start thinking about it. I'm like, maybe I don't need this. Maybe it's okay for me to have like some lines around my eyes, which now I freak out. I'm like, I need a better eye cream. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but I'm like, maybe it's okay that Royal kind of planted that bug in my ear. And he's like, Lisa, you don't need Botox. You're beautiful without it. You don't know what that stuff's going to do to your body. Blah, 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 blah. It's eating up your money. And I was like, oh, maybe you're right. Yeah. And I think a lot of people too, like, will get like have dehydration lines and confuse that for a wrinkle. Mm, yeah, that's you a know? really good point. And another thing I've noticed too, there's this really awesome book. Um, I think it's by Dr. Nigma Tlaib. It's uh, Younger Skin Starts in the Gut. And she talks about how, like she literally has diagrams of what it looks like when you have sugar face, gluten face, dairy face, and wine face. And like, your diet and habits like really tie into like how your skin looks. And like, if I have too much sugar, I'll look like I have like five wrinkles on my forehead. But if I like cut back on my sugar and really watch how much I'm consuming, they go away. Mm. Um, so there's just so much more that you can do beyond just like going and injecting, which I wish people talked about more. Yeah. That is such a good point because like, I noticed, I mean, Royal and I were just having a conversation about how I love wine, but I don't like to drink it because it dehydrates me so much. And I always just feel like I just look old after I yeah. drink it. And that's, yeah. I didn't even think about how 
it's yes, it's dehydrating my body as a whole, but hello, my skin is part of my body. Like it's dehydrating <laughs> my skin. <laughs> That's such a good point. Okay. What was the name of that book again? Um, younger skin starts in the gut. It was basically my Bible. Um, I had really bad hormonal acne. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was on spironolactone for a long time and it wasn't doing anything. So I decided to take a natural approach and like address it through, um, diet and balancing my hormones and getting my blood sugar levels down. Mm -hmm. And that book was basically like my Bible and figuring things out. Um, along with like, I had a facial here in Denver with a girl who connected me with someone that was able to like help me understand some blood work that I had. Um, and like, I was able to clear my acne, uh, the fine lines that I had disappeared, like my skin looked amazing. And then I launched a business and was full of stress for two years and that went out the window, but yeah. it was really good for a couple of years. <laughs> I love that you are mentioning this because one of the things that I wanted to do with my spa was, um, I mean, my, my big focus, there were lash extensions and chemical peels. And I wanted to start bringing in more of a holistic approach and talk about diet and talk about overall wellness and how, what you eat and your stress levels and the sleep you get, all of that plays a role in your skin health and be able to provide my clients like a wider spectrum of service as opposed to just, okay, you need these pills and these skincare treatments um, mm -hmm. or these skincare products. And so this is something that is very interesting to me. Um, and so I am going to have to read this book now. I think that's so cool. It's really good. I recommend it to anyone that's trying to figure things out from like a more natural approach or from like a diet perspective. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, it's, it's interesting because I think here in the States, estheticians are very nervous to do anything that's outside of their scope and offer any kind of like diet related, um, information to help them with their skin. Mm -hmm. And I, there are a couple of estheticians out of Australia that I follow and, um, I can't remember her name, but there's one in particular that she has courses specifically for educating estheticians on how to talk about food and diet in a way that's within their scope. Um, Ooh. and I don't know, and things might be a little bit different in Australia too, where people aren't as fearful about being sued if, you know, something doesn't go right. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really fascinating because it's, it's so directly tied in, um, you know, emotional well-being, how you treat your body, fitness, diet, like all of it directly impacts your skin. Yeah, it's so true. I mean, I think that we forget that our skin is like the largest organ on our bodies. Mm -hmm. And um, so other things, you know, that affect other organs of your body, like, of course, it's going to affect your skin as well. It's a system. Exactly. Exactly. It's all connected. And um, I love the idea of, I mean, I, I don't think it's just an idea. I think that it's true that if you have a healthy gut, like not only will you have a healthy brain you'll or like healthy bowel movements, you'll have a healthy brain, you'll have a healthy, you know, skin in the instance of this book and everything. And so it is all connected. And to assume that your skin is only affected by what you put on the outside of your body, like products that you apply topically is, is foolish. Like obviously what's going on inside of your body is going to affect the way that your skin behaves as well. 
Yeah. And I don't think you have to go like all granola and super holistic with it. Like there's a, there's a way for like traditional aesthetics and medical aesthetics to kind of meld with, you know, the holistic organic approach that a lot of other estheticians, you know, practice, like they can all kind of work together. There's a middle ground there. And I think a lot of people feel like it's got to be one or the other. I think that's a really good point to bring up that there's kind of, I don't know, I feel like some estheticians feel uh, that their their identity is based on how medical they are or how holistic they are. And yeah, no, I agree with that. That's a really good point. I do think, um, yeah, I think it's really easy for your identity to get wrapped up in that. Right. And it's not bad to kind of cross those barriers a little bit sometimes and recognize that, you know, yeah, I, I don't, I, I liked working in a more medical system, but I can appreciate that people believe in essential oils and that there can be benefits from those, you know, or mm-hmm. on the flip side, like maybe somebody who has a totally holistic approach, like maybe they can recognize that there could be benefits from, you know, using a microneedling treatment or something along those lines. Um, but there's just so much to learn in this industry and you can decide what resonates with you and the type of treatments that you're interested in. But it's not a bad idea to just be aware of other options out there because totally. the goal should be to benefit your your clients. And so if you recognize that there's something that you could add that could benefit them more, just like in your instance where you saw, okay, there's this need, I could be benefiting my clients more, but with products that would um, help their barrier. And so you went out and you created that. Um, or you did the research you needed to do and filled that need. And so yeah, you need to be able to look out and be like, okay, there's a need. Maybe I can find that outside of my regular way of doing things and then still benefit my, not only my clients, but also my revenue. I do think we'll start seeing a trend in aesthetics moving into more of a, a direction that's not so black and white and mm-hmm. where things kind of cross over between mm-hmm. different philosophies and how skin should be addressed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think we'll start to see a trend in like the skin barrier being more prominent. Like I'm starting to notice um, in small quantities, but more and more brands coming out that are focusing on the skin barrier. And so it's going to be really interesting to see over the next, you know, five years or so where skin trends start going with, um, consumer products, because I do think that that is something that is starting to shift because people are really burnt out on the green beauty industry and how they use fear mongering. Mm -hmm. Um, That's really starting to hit its ending point. Like I keep seeing articles about that, like industry articles about how consumers are not into that anymore. No, Uh, which is good because it doesn't help anyone. (laughs) Right. Right. Oh my gosh. That's like a whole nother topic that I, I would love to dive into, but, um, but we probably shouldn't right now. Um, so this has been such a great conversation. I, I just really appreciate you talking about your story and talking about how you had to let your career change and adapt, um, because of, you know, circumstances that you couldn't control, you know, taking care of your body and then also moving and all of those different things. But I think it's awesome that you have found your niche. And yes, you missed the treatment room and you may very well go back and that would be excellent. But 
I just think what you're doing is so impressive uh, with oh, thank you. you Glow Gal and also Sarah Nicole Skincare. Um, yeah, thanks. I appreciate that. So if our listeners are interested in your skincare products, um, is that something that they would potentially be able to sell at their own locations or would they just retail it, like have to buy it directly from you or how would that work? Um, you know, that's something that we're playing around with. I do see there being a future with catering to estheticians, but I kind of foresee our products being, cause we never really plan on coming out with like an insane lineup of products. Like mm-hmm. I want to keep it very simple. And so that way it doesn't overwhelm anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, you see these product lines that have like 20 products and it doesn't make any sense. But um, I think I kind of foresee Sarah Nicole Skincare being like supplemental to what estheticians are already carrying in their spa, okay. whether it's from like a retail perspective or maybe uh, maybe we'll come out with like a professional size that you can use, you know, as back bar. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really kind of see it as being a supplemental piece to retail, okay. um, which is probably going to be way more effective than it would be in the treatment room. Cause that's, you know, home care is like the biggest thing for your yes. clients to really yes, see yes. results. Absolutely. So we will link in the episode notes where you can purchase the Sarah Nicole skincare line products. And then we'll also link, the you glow gal blog and the you glow gal instagram on in the episode notes and then do you have another instagram or anywhere thing else that you want us to link as well so people can stay in touch with you uh my personal one is at sarah in pain on instagram but i'm mostly active um on you glow gal and sarah nicole skincare my personal one's kind of where i go and hide out when my other instagram bubbles are like make me feel bad Yeah. <laughs> when social media is getting to me. I go and hide on my personal account. Yeah. I'm with you there. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. So we'll link all of those. Um, before we close Sarah, we just like to have all of our guests uh, kind of talk about what boundaries, balance, health, and safety mean to them. So could you kind of talk about those for a minute? Yeah. Um, you know, when it comes to being like in the spa and in a treatment room, it's really important for you to set healthy boundaries for yourself. Um, whether that means, you know, you're working with coworkers that aren't the best for you and you guys don't get along and just making sure you have healthy boundaries there, making sure you have healthy boundaries with clients that like just aren't nasty, but or that are nasty because sometimes you can't really fire clients depending on what your work situation is. Mm -hmm. And so just learning how to, take care of yourself like on a mental basis as well as like the physical and making sure your body mechanics are good and everything. Um, I think healthy boundaries are really important, like in all facets of like your experience working in a treatment room. I love that you, I love that you mentioned that sometimes you don't have control over whether or not you can fire a client. Um, no. If you're, if you're self-employed, like sure, do whatever you want, but if you're working for somebody else then you can't just, you can't always just be like, hey, this client brings a lot of negativity and I don't like their vibe. So, right. And sometimes you need to give people a chance and get to know them and they mm-hmm. turn into a totally different person. Yes. That is You know, there's so, so many times where like there would be a, a person that would come in and spawn. There would be all these notes like red flags, you know, watch out. She does X, Y, Z. And then like they're totally cool with you, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Sometimes so. it's just the personality or maybe, I mean, I remember I had this one client um, at the medical spa where I worked who everybody was just like, Oh, 
Karen is the worst. She's so ornery. She's in a bad mood all the time, blah, 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 blah. And so the first time I had her on my schedule, everybody else was like, oh, good luck. And I just thought to myself, you know what? I'm going to win Karen over. I don't care what it takes or yep. how long it takes, but I'm going to win her. And I was just so nice to her. And I made sure that all the negative things people had said to me about her um, did not come out of me at all. Like none of those bad vibes. And I decided I'm going to kill Karen with kindness. And I totally did. And she ended up being a really great client that I looked forward to seeing her. But everybody else was like, oh my gosh, she's the worst. She's so mean. And yeah. now it was just personalities, I think. Yep, totally. So, I did like 90% of the time, like it ends up being nothing like what everyone else experienced. Right. Okay. And then um, balance. Can you talk about balance a little bit? I don't know what to apply to balance. <laughs> okay, that's fine. Yeah, sorry. I'm like, I, I think when I first looked over these, like last week or whatever, I was like, okay, yeah, I got these. And then I'm looking over, the, over them today. I'm like, I don't know what I would say about those. Yeah, that's totally fine. Okay. Um, sorry. No, you're fine. Okay. So one thing that um, one thing that I would say, or just thinking right off of the conversation that we had, is that you created balance in your life by protecting yourself and having multiple streams of income. Oh, look <laughs> at that! You're good at this. So, <laughs> this is all we think about all the time. <laughs> um, because yeah, like you can be totally off balance by being completely dependent on one form of income, one way of making money. And then just like you experienced with breaking your, or not breaking, but spraining your elbow, like then that balance is gone. That financial yeah. balance. Yeah, no, totally. Finding balance. Like if you, you know, if you know the treatment room isn't where you can spend all of your time, maybe, you know, going down part time and doing something else on the side that makes you happy is what you should be doing. Um, there's so many ways to do that too. It's so unique. Like maybe you've got something else you're passionate about that you can bring into your life. Like maybe you're really creative and want to do something with that, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that sometimes, I mean, I experienced this for sure when I was working full-time as an esthetician. Um, that was my whole ordeal. That was my whole identity. That was all I did. All my spare time was focused on aesthetics and, um, I didn't bring in any other hobby or passion or interest into my life at all because I was just like, no, my life is my career. My life is being an esthetician. And I was totally out of balance in that. I mean, it was fun in some ways, but it was also really overwhelming. And I will say like, I, I freelance on the side right now. Like I do, um, cause my world has kind of moved from being very treatment room focused to being more of like thinking like a marketer. Mm -hmm. And so I offer like a lot of freelance services and do like sales copywriting. And like, there are tons of things that estheticians can do like online freelancing that are going to give your body a break. Mm -hmm. Um, like I just like finished writing like a skin cancer course for a continuing education website. Like there are so many things I see where I'm like, Oh, I need to go tell all my girlfriends about this so that like they can do something else on the side. Yeah. Um, that's but yeah. Like there's so many cool things you can do. That's such a great point. Like we have so much knowledge from what we have learned and all the research we do and working with our clients and uh -huh. we could apply that to other things. Like we don't have to just use that in the treatment room. We can write yeah. courses. We can, um, you know, do online consultations. Like there are so many other things outside of 
just the treatments themselves. Totally. Like I, there's even like Glossier. No, it's not Glossier. It's their blog into the gloss into the gloss, like has a couple of estheticians that they hire as like regular contributors to their website. Like there's so much like, and this is very, what my thoughts are very like writing focused because that's what I do. But there are tons of things that you can do for like beauty brands too. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of beauty brands would really benefit having an esthetician giving them some insight into whether it's their copywriting or their like, Instagram, whatever it might be. Right. Because as estheticians, we have credentials, we have licensure. We're not just, you know, beauty bloggers that are regular people who are like, oh, I might try this or I might try that and see if I like it. No, we have a different perspective from the rest of the world because we understand how the skin responds. We understand the healing process and all of that. And so I think that's great that you're mentioning that beauty brands, they may really benefit from an esthetician's perspective on things that could also give their brand credibility if there's a licensed professional backing their product. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Okay. And then let's talk about health real quick. So I think with health, like I know I specifically really struggled with letting myself go home when I wasn't feeling well. Mm. Um, and even feeling guilty to have to cancel on clients if I had a cold or something where, you know, you don't want to spread things, but depending on what your work environment is like, you might either feel guilty yourself because you feel like you're letting people down or like you might feel pressured by your job. And so I think it's really important to make sure like when you're not healthy that you're like telling people whether it's like a physical ailment or, or like a real sickness. And, you know, if you have, and I've had this happen to me, like I had, um, I think I had like a cyst, an ovarian cyst that had burst. And I didn't realize that at the time, but like I went home because I was cramping really bad. Like I had a client that was guilting me the next day, asked me when I was going to put her on the books and make, to make up for that appointment. I was like, dude, I'm not doing that. Like I'm recovering. (gasps) Oh my (laughs) gosh. And, and she ended up being fine, but you know, every now and then you'll have someone that's inconsiderate like that. But you know, the silver lining is that, you know, where you're staying with that client, you know, where to put them in priority with your other clients. Right. And like your health is still more important than making that one individual happy. Oh my gosh. That is so true. I've had ovarian cysts before. Yeah. You need to go home and recover. Like, yeah, that's not just something that you can pop an ibuprofen and be like, okay, I'm good. Where's my next client? (laughs) Like, no. Yeah. yeah. And more than likely you don't know what's going on. So it's kind of scary too. Yeah. No, it's so true. Um, I love that you have that perspective now where you're like, listen, my health comes first. If that client's going to be unhappy about it, that's fine. We'll deal with that later. But Mm -hmm. what you need physically, mentally, emotionally, that needs to be a priority. Yep. Totally. Love it. Okay. And then safety. You know, with safety that comes to mind is just like every now and then, it happens where you get a client that's kind of sketchy and mm-hmm. makes you feel really uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And so I think just being, just making yourself aware and probably letting someone else like in your work environment, letting you know, like, Hey, this person that's on my table was making me uncomfortable. Like if I tap on the wall, if I knock on the wall, like, you know, something's going on. Will you please like go get someone from the front desk? Um, yeah. Just making sure that you're, you, or protecting yourself when something doesn't feel right. Yeah. And giving yourself permission to speak up about the fact that it doesn't feel right. Absolutely. Right. 
Like one time, oh, I had this crazy experience with, I swear they were swingers. This woman was coming in for um, a Brazilian wax Mm -hmm. and her husband or boyfriend wanted to come in the room. I was like, nah, dude, that's like, that's against our policies. And she was sending him pictures while I was waxing her. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure they enjoyed this like later on. Like they were, it was so weird and so creepy. And all I could do was just laugh about the situation yeah. and make sure I never got them on my books again. <laughs> oh my gosh. People are so strange. Like people. why would you put another person in that situation? No, people are people. Man. I know. <laughs> I know. Oh, everyone's weird. They're just, we're all our own unique breed of weird. I guess that's true. And we're just, some of us choose to let the weird out in public situations. And some of us choose to be weird in private, I guess. I don't know. It was the most bizarre thing. It was so crazy. Yeah, I'm glad that you had the policy of um, not letting guests in the treatment room, like especially during a Brazilian wax, because it, that could have been really uncomfortable. I mean, as uncomfortable as it was with her taking pictures the whole time, like imagine if he had been in there. Whoa. Oh, I know. And honestly, I don't know if we had that policy. I literally just made it up on the spot. Perfect. Good. Perfect. Good. It's, yes. It's a policy now. Yep. That's what you should do. Uh, I uh-huh. think. Because there were other times where I there over the years that I had been there where other girls would like feel pressured to take that person and like there would be a boyfriend sitting in while his girlfriend was getting waxed and like that is the most uncomfortable thing like she's not enjoying it she's in pain while she's doing that yeah like, she doesn't need her boyfriend and they're watching and supervising yeah no that's totally true that's totally true I mean I think that there's sometimes like maybe people want to bring somebody in just because the boyfriend's like curious, like, Oh, how does that work? You know, or something like that. But you immediately regret it. Right. <laughs> but even then, I mean, that's not the esthetician's job to determine your, like to help appease his curiosity. Like, sorry, you guys can Google YouTube videos later on your own time. Right, exactly. That's what YouTube's for. That's what, exactly what I was about to say. Yeah. And I actually, I've been there like my esthetician, um, my esthetician, Bobby, <laughs> She's so great. Her her husband is actually Royal's barber. And so we have this like fun little relationship, the four of us. But one time Royal was like, I really just want to see what a Brazilian box is like. And so I asked her if he could come in and she was like, nope, no clients in the treatment, like no guests in the treatment room. And yeah, I remember just being like, good for you, Bobby. That's so true. Because even though it's like, oh, it's me and it's Royal, like it's totally fine. Like good for her because yeah, she knows us, but what if we were weird? I don't know. Like she had to protect herself. And so I'm, I'm glad she did. We're not weird, but I'm glad that she had that (laughs) policy and like her standards, you know, even though we're her friends, but. (laughs) And and on that too, like, cause I see that, you know, the the Facebook groups that estheticians are in, like you see some like crazy people, like conversations that people will have on there. And, you know, often enough you'll see, estheticians that are in a really toxic environment but are too scared to leave mm-hmm. whether they're afraid that they're not gonna be able to find another job or the pay is really good or whatever but like you've got to take your wellness like priority yes absolutely get out of a to- a toxic environment. absolutely no job is worth that at all if you're surrounded by toxicity or something that doesn't feel right to you like as much as I love the aesthetics industry, like I would rather you go and do something else than stay in an aesthetics job that, you know, is toxic, like you were saying, or makes you uncomfortable or confused or whatever it is. 
So yeah, and there's there's so many aesthetics jobs out there that you probably wouldn't have to go find something else in reality, but it's still scary to walk away from a sure thing and have to go yeah. out into the unknown, even though you're opening up the possibility to find something better for you. Yep, but, totally. Yeah. Okay, this has been such a great conversation and I feel like we could talk about so many other things, but we do have to wrap it up. Uh, Sarah, thank you so much for your time and for being here with us. We really, really appreciate all of the insight and the value that you have brought to this conversation. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. I love talking about skin. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> don't we all? I think Royal's even starting to like it a little bit too. I've been liking it. <laughs> <I know. laughs> okay, That's so awesome. once again, we will link um, Sarah's website, her blog, everything like that into the episode notes so that y'all can stay in touch with her. And yeah, just thank you so much again, Sarah, thank for being you, Sarah. here. Thanks.